Aloha! You are listening to Inside the Desert Oasis Room, episode number 100. This episode is sponsored by Tandawai Rum. Established in the Philippines in 1854, Tandawai is one of the world's largest rum producers and winner of over 170 international medals in the past four decades, including Brand of the Year in London's World Branding Awards rum category from 2015 to 2017 and Rum Brand Champion of the World by TheSpiritsBusiness.com in 2015. As sponsor of the Inside the Desert Oasis Room podcast and the toast to Master Ninja Ray Buen at the legendary Tiki Tea in Los Angeles, California, Tandawai is the perfect companion to celebrate all things tiki. For more information, check out their webpage at tandawaiusa.com or follow them on Facebook or Instagram at tandawaiusa. This podcast is also sponsored by the Tonga Hut. Opened in 1958, the Tonga Hut in North Hollywood is LA's oldest continuously run tiki bar. With locations in both North Hollywood and Palm Springs, California, the Tonga Hut serves classic tiki cocktails in a classic tiki setting. Dine in a secret tiki hideaway or learn about rum and rum history at one of their educational seminars. And if you're up to the challenge, take the journey to join the loyal order of drooling bastards. For information on events, rum rum club, and more, go to tongahut.com or find them on Facebook or Instagram. Today, we release our 100th episode. In October of 2016, we launched this podcast from inside the Desert Oasis Room. For those that don't know, this podcast was started as a fluke. I actually had a different type of project in mind, and when the first episode hit a couple of snafus, I temporarily launched it as a podcast and never looked back. Since that initial launch, we've released a new episode every week without fail. And fast forward to today, and we now bring to you episode number 100. I honestly never expected to still be podcasting two years later. I never envisioned sponsorship, merch, mugs, event appearances and room parties, or even doing this full-time as a profession. But here we are today. None of this would be possible without our sponsors, guests, and patrons of the show. So for that, I offer my humblest gratitude to all of you. Thank you. And because of the unexpected origin of this show, I thought it would be fitting to have the esteemed Martin Kate, Tiki and Cocktail Authority, be our guest on this milestone of an episode. Why? Because when I met Martin almost 20 years ago, he was a sales rep for a logistics company. Never did he ever think he would not only open a bar, but end up owning, co-owning and running five of the world's premier Tiki bars, including Smuggler's Cove, False Idol, Hale Pele, Lost Lake, and Whitechapel. We recorded this episode from my suite balcony at this year's Tiki Oasis, where we won Best Decor and Best Suite Party, in conjunction with our sponsors Tandawai Rum, Tonga Hut, Bahuka Underground, and John O. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Martin. I hope you enjoy it. Aloha, folks, and welcome to another edition of Inside the Desert Oasis Room. This is our 100th episode, and if you've been listening to the show, you'll know that we've been having all kinds of different luminaries in the tiki and cocktail and surf music world. But the one person that I was so excited to finally get on the show here that we talked about this a while back for this particular episode is my old friend, Martin Kate. Aloha. Aloha, sir. A pleasure to be here at last. 
I'm so excited to finally have you on the show. You know how many people have been asking for you to be on here? Oh, that's nice to hear. Yeah, well, yeah. It's just been, how do we find each other? When are we going to find the time? And here we are on a beautiful balcony on a warm day at Tiki Oasis. At Tiki Oasis. Now, you and your beautiful wife, Rebecca, are such busy people. It's been a, it's, <laughs> yes, <laughs> short answer. <laughs> we were just talking about that. What's the traveling been like for you the past 30 days? It's been great. We're gone most of July, but it's been, um, you know, Tiki Con, Tiki Oasis, Tales of the Cocktail, shoehorned a family wedding in there somewhere, took our rum club members to St. Lucia. Um, gosh, I don't know. There's been a few. It's all kind of blurring a little bit, although. It's crazy. Yeah, I love it. This doesn't look like St. Lucia here. I think. <laughs> uh, there are palm trees. Beautiful <laughs> uh, Mission Valley in San Diego. At least we're looking at a golf course. Yeah, it's, it's nice. It's green. It's very right? green. It's we're not looking at the brown part. Yeah. Where I live, it's all brown. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah there's actually out, fires yeah. raging right now. This, yeah, this weather. Close to us, too. I was talking to my wife about that, and I said, what is it about hot weather that starts these fires? Do things just spontaneously combust when it gets over 100 degrees? <laughs> I don't think so, but it doesn't take much for it at this point to spread fast, too. Yeah. The winds come up, and the yeah. heat is just... It's just merciless. Yeah, we're. It's been kind of grim up in the Bay Area and around the Lake County fires and things. The same so, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, we hope everybody makes it through that without a scratch. So. Indeed, we do. Yeah. Well, so I want to start from the beginning because I find your story, the both of you, very fascinating. For those that don't know, I've known Martin and Rebecca for almost twenty years. I met Martin when he was a salesperson at a logistics company. That's true. Yeah, back in the late 90s. And here we sit after 30 months worth of basically rum travel. Yeah. <laughs> or, sorry, I just say 30 months, 30 days, 30 days 30 worth days. of, of yeah. rum travel. Yeah. And um, did you ever see this happening? Oh, no, no, no. Never. Not in a million years. I had, you know, it was kind of a, it was like an early midlife crisis where I just finally had become so tired. The, the story tell us is, I used to be out doing the sales for these logistics companies. I'd be driving around, seeing all these people. I mostly represented, you know, people who sold dried fruit and nuts out of the Central Valley in California. And I'd go, and I'd, I always take a little extra time on my sales calls to make sure I got time to visit local thrift stores and antique malls and things like that and do some mug hunting and mm-hmm. things like that. And I'd go in, and I'd see these people, and they'd say, uh, oh, so uh, what kind of great rates can you get us on raisins to to, uh, to boost on Korea? And I'd say, oh, well, I can get you some great rates, but more importantly, take a look at this sweet Stockton Islander mug I found. It was only $3. <laughs> and they would just look at me like, what's wrong with you? Like, and, and more and more, you're kind of driving home after these long days on the road, and you're like... I- Something's telling me something. Like yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not talking. I'm not getting really animated about raisins right now, and yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm getting really animated about finding weird tiki stuff in yeah, antique malls. Yeah. So they all thought I was crazy, and I just said. And there had been a series of. I'd gone through a series of layoffs and downsizings in the industry, and finally, I just said, I, I think I got to take a shot at this. I got to take a shot yeah. at doing something else, and um, that was how I just kind of dropped it and decided to make a leap into the industry yeah yeah and um it's it's very scary and i had you know sort of very tepid support from my parents for example who were kind of like well it's a phase he'll get over it yeah and and i didn't get over it and i want to get into that journey in a little bit but i want to start from the very beginning i think people would find it interesting how you got into tiki right so so the real the real kicker was uh i was living and working in in washington dc at an embassy and I had a coworker who said, "Hey, it's my birthday tonight. 
let's go to Trader Vic's. And I said, what's a Trader Vic's? And he says, oh, you're going to love it. they got drinks as big as your head. It's cool. And I said, okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, I was a non-discerning drinker at this, at this age. And so we went over to the, the Hilton where the, the, the now long gone um, Vic's was in, in D.C., this is so. This is 1994, I think. Okay. So, um, so you kind of go in this big marble edifice, very stately, very austere hotel, and you go down to the lower level, and then there's just this portal. There's this door. They have there's like an A-frame. It's flanked by tiki's. There's some electric flickering torches, and it's so incongruous in the middle. And you can still appreciate this today at the Atlanta one. Um, it's so incongruous in the middle of this hotel. That you look at it and you say, "What? What the hell is that? What? What is that doing in here?" And you walk inside, and the and everything shifts. Everything just really completely transforms into what we know and love as a classic mm-hmm. basement mm-hmm. Trader Vic's. It smells wonderful. It's like gardenias in the air and 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 poopoos and everything is just. And, and to me, part of that great smell is the mustiness of oh, yeah. the decor. Exactly. The, the mattings on the wall that have absorbed. And mildewed a little bit. A lot of yeah, cigarettes. A lot of stuff. cigarettes. The uh, happy smell of the tiki tea, right? <laughs> and that, that just that natural raffia, uh, you know, palm, Absolutely. dried palm smell. Absolutely. And then you, I just, uh, what does this mean? Why is this here? What is what does any of this mean? What are these, what are these sort of totems? What are these, why are there puffer fish on the scene? What mm-hmm. is... It's so, it's so bizarre that that's where not only did it send me down this rabbit hole into trying to understand what this was, but it was really one of the first times that I'd ever really thought about an immersive dining experience or the idea that, that a meal or a bar or whatever could be a transportive experience, that it would take you somewhere else. Because by then, so much of that was gone. And so much of that was lost. The idea of themed spaces and experiential dining had really pretty much been relegated to theme parks and not really in, it just was very out of favor mm-hmm. as a dining fad. You know, most restaurants these days, modern restaurants are very austere. They tend to be di- designed with a lot of glass. They're very bright. Right. And not they don't take you anywhere else. They take you to a lovely meal and great food, but they don't take you on a journey mm-hmm. in a way that, you know, a great tiki restaurant would or a, a Clearman's Northwoods or, or anything, right, any yeah. of these, or Bavarian beer halls or any of these great themed experiences that were so popular in the mid 20th century. And that's what I just fell in love with. And I just mm-hmm. said, this is, you know, how come we don't get this anymore? Was it like an instant, an instant connection or did it kind of fade up? It was really, it was a really, it, it threw a switch. Okay. And, and that, and I came back and I had, um, we finished, I, I, Rebecca and I got our first place together in San Francisco while we were dating, and we had this idea, it had always been sort of in the back of our minds, this, you know, I, we would, we lived very close to Trader Sam's in the outer Richmond in San mm-hmm. Francisco, so we would go to Trader Sam's a lot with friends. We loved the place, and we loved the experience, and it was another example of, how did this get to be here? What, right, this is right. a really unusual space. So it finally came to a point where we said, we we had decided to have a tiki birthday party, tiki-themed birthday party in our apartment. So we went out and bought a bunch of stuff. We actually moved all our furniture around. It took days of planning. We moved things into different rooms. So we had a jungle-themed room and a lava-themed room. And a, and we just, you know, whatever was really inexpensive for decor, lots and lots of Hawaiian album covers mm-hmm. was, you know, at the thrift store, so save some money. And all the, you know, the jungle stuff was made with, like, 
bright green uh, tablecloths <laughs> that we just cut into <laughs> random patterns. It was, it was, you know, it was pretty chicken shit. But, um, <laughs> but it was a lot of work. And we woke up the next morning. You know the you know the way you wake up. Like actually, I'm sitting in a, the detritus of a gigantic room party right now. So it's right. like that when you wake up. <laughs> when you wake up and you kind of look around, and you say, "What is all this stuff? What are we going to do with all this?" It took us three days to set this up, and rather infamously, Rebecca uh, said, "Well, why don't we just put all of it into the back bedroom and turn the back bedroom into a tiki bar?" Ha ha ha! Uh-huh. And I didn't laugh. <laughs> she thought it was a joke and I just my eyes got kind of big and I went yeah now is this the place that I saw you way saw way it. way yeah. back in the day yeah. I just remember spending I think 40 minutes looking for parking and thinking how do they that would be live San Francisco. here yeah. how do they do this <laughs> we had a garage space <laughs> I tell people how proud you guys were of that bar oh yeah and the oohs and the ahs the whole theatrical thing happening right? yeah there aren't a whole lot of um it, well, it was fun because, yeah, you got everything in. You know, when you get everything in, and I love that, the same kind of thing, and we're doing it to this day in a much larger fashion, but you get everything into that room, it's way over the top, and you close the door, and just don't put anything on the door, it's just a plain door. You've got yeah, yeah, Oasis yeah. rooms I like do that. that, yeah. Yeah, so you just, it's this incredibly unexpected surprise. Yeah. You open it up, and it's just the lights. The reaction is the, one of the best things, right? It is. Yeah, it's what, wowing the people. What the hell is this behind here? Yeah, it just blows people away. Same as Smuggler's Cove. The reason it's just a plain glass facade. Ah. And it's, you know, people come up and say, this is a dentist office. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't yeah. look like anything. That's on purpose. Ah, we yeah. love that surprise, that transformation of you've just left San Francisco. Course, yeah. You've walked into somewhere yeah. else entirely. Yeah. So that's so that was a real that was a real exciting part about it for me and that's uh, and yeah we loved uh, having parties over there and and it was a, a fun little bog it's there's not probably for the best there aren't a whole lot of pictures of it because it was sort yeah. of you know the bar itself was built out of metro rack shelving like <laughs> and yeah. we just like wrapped fake vines around it so it didn't we all look did like that it. in the <laughs> beginning we all did oh yeah that, yeah right? was, i didn't you, have a you money. had to learn somewhere True, true. And you know, in your path to where you are today is what really fascinates me the most because, as we mentioned, you started as, well, from when I met you, you were a salesperson in a logistics company. Mm-hmm. And it looks very calculated on how you got to there to where you are today. Definitely not. Um, it's kind of a roundabout thing because, yeah, I decided to have this midlife crisis. I'm going to go into this business. And then I had this idea, and it was this kind of amusing imagined idea I had this I thought well I got to figure out how to do this for a living I got to go work in a tiki bar or figure out how to do this and so I had um I had this vision in my mind that I thought I'm going to find some way to combine my love of tiki with my love of logistics and I had this idea I said I know Trader Vic's headquarters is really close it's in you know it's one city over it's in San Rafael at least it was at the time and I said I could go and help, like, kind of coordinate their global empire. Like, I could help, like, with shipping supplies and syrups to the to their various outposts right. or something. I had this totally made up vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I and I talked to Eve, and I said, "So Eve, and, and I said, what's it like at you know global headquarters?" And she's like, "Oh, there's you know five of us. <laughs> it's, you know, it's it's not the empire you might <laughs> that you think." She says, "You know, it's a largely decentralized company, and you know, there's really there's just five of us here." And I said, "Oh, oh, okay. Well, I was hoping there might be something new." And she said, "Looking for a bartender in San Francisco. You want to do that?" And I said, oh, "Okay, that's the right term, but let's do it." So, and that was obviously the 
right thing to do. So that was good. It was it was fun for me to find that out. Yeah. On a bus tour. Oh yeah, yeah. So I went up there for <laughs> one of the right. annual Tiki bus tours. Yeah. And we walk into this Trader Vic's, and this is one of the newer Trader Vic's in San Francisco. This is not the one that was. Uh, way back at the Trader Vic's No, alley, sadly, right? no. This was the short-lived uh, um, Golden Gate location. And <laughs> we walk in, and there's Martin behind the bar, and we're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I deliberately kept it a surprise for the Tiki Crawl because so many people had known us from working yeah. on the Tiki Crawl. And so I just said, well, just one night we won't be on the bus, and I'll just be there in my staff shirt making drinks. Yeah. And people are like, whoa. And so I'm sure at that point it was probably uh, – Really long wait times for the drinks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but I was still learning. It's a great so, place yeah. to cut your teeth, right? It was a great place to cut my teeth, particularly because of the management team that was above me, yeah. who were um, up and down all the way to the top, were uh, tough but supportive and interested in building a bartender from the ground up, that they yeah. really didn't want people, because they had a lot of their own rituals, their own techniques, a lot of things you can still see. You know, at the, at the Tiki Tea about uh, about the jigger techniques and about the use of mixing tins and all this stuff. So I had this opportunity. My assistant manager, Lars, was uh, a hell of a taskmaster, but he was great. And he was just interested in building me up from the from the ground up. My The head bar manager, Jim, ultimately became my opening bartender at, yeah. uh, at Forbidden Island. Um and then all the way up to the top, Yavuz and even you know Hans Richter, who and they were, they all you know fought for us. It was a good team. Wait, so back up again. Did you say that someone you worked for now works for you? Did yeah yeah. It was actually a, a, a very entertaining. Uh, I tell that people all the time. It's very satisfying when you, you get to hire <laughs> your manager to work for you. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. but um, but yeah, his name's uh, uh, Jim Shoemake, and he. Um, he uh, he came over with me along with uh, Sonia Runkle, two bartenders that I worked with at Trader Vic's when when uh, we got uh, Forbidden Island open, and they were the opening the opening uh, twosome. So I know that there was a, a stint over at Bevmo. Is that correct? Mm. So Bevmo was kind of like so when I was partnering with the um, with the Thanos brothers on on uh, Forbidden Island, there, it was a long process to nail down the space, and we hadn't. Um, it took forever to find a venue, and we'd been strung along by one venue that uh, ultimately fizzled out for the best. And um, and so I uh, I was I, I needed more work, so I took a okay. job at uh, I took a job uh, got my green polo shirt and took a job at, at Bevmo, and that was great actually because you know Bevmo is one of the things I learned a lot about service at Bevmo mm-hmm. um, in that it's a cool place to work because you're 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 when someone walks in the door in almost every situation. They're in a good mood when they walk in the door because you don't have to go to Bevmo, yeah, right? Yeah. You want to go. You want to go. You want to go to, want to, go yeah, to a big yeah. liquor store. All they sell is sin. Yeah, right? Right, all they right. sell is is good times right. and you know and, and some and some cheese. You know, <laughs> that's it, right? So it's so you 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 you're you've got you get the opportunity to start a get with a guest at a hundred percent, right? Yeah, and you want to just keep them at a hundred percent throughout their visit to the, this retail experience. So. That's what it's not. Yeah, like I said, it's like not like the DMV when the door opens right, and you're right. miserable the second you walk in. Like it's already going to be bad, right? So this is a so that's kind of fun, and so that's something I've taken kind of philosophically a lot to my bars, where it's 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 
Most people are coming to your bar, they don't have to. Nobody has to go out for a drink. It is not the grocery store, you know? You want to go have fun. You want to have a good time. So that person's coming in typically at 100%. -hmm. Maybe when they look around and see everything, you get them, maybe you might even get them to 110%. Now you got to keep them there. You know, you got to keep them there with service, with, with the product, with the experience, with everything. Just having a great talk with Anthony uh, Schmidt, my my manager at uh, False Idol, about that uh, yesterday. As a matter of fact, because we really talked about how much, um, not to derail this too long of a side story, but you remember when we opened False Idol, we had this great entrance that was yeah. a, that was a walk-in cooler, yeah, and that was fun, and people got a kick out of it because it was a neat transformative experience. But then they made us tear it out, mm-hmm. and then for a long time, while we were trying to figure out what the next step was, we just had this unfinished sheetrock mm-hmm. and it almost like people walked in and they didn't come in at 100 percent anymore they came in oh. and they looked like they looked around like oh this sucks yeah. what's this and yeah. then they came around the corner and said oh that's cool but you lost them for a second yeah but now that we have the cave of skulls and shrunken yeah. heads yeah. people come in like already like ooh, yeah, yeah. cool so yeah. we just gave them a little 10 percent bump on the way in we've just already uh, we've already raised expectations yeah. Then they see this great art-filled space, and they have a great drink, and that's you know, and that's the mission. See, there's a science to your approach. Absolutely, there's a, the hospitality is a, um, is a is a is a is a is a science in and of itself, and I and I'm yeah. always learning yeah. all the time. And and that relates to the transition that I'm talking about because when I see your path on paper, the path that I see was Trader Vic's. Was Bevmo before Trader Vic's? Same time. Same time. Right, okay. Yeah. So I saw bartending at Trader Vic's, and then I saw, and I was under the impression that you were running distribution at Bevmo. No. Okay. So <laughs> no. I was so, on the floor. Okay. So I, I was thought, the only guy I knew what he was doing in the room distribution area. <laughs> at, at Bevmo. So I thought, okay, bartending at Trader Vic's, distribution at, at Bevmo, uh, co ownership into a bar to eventual sole proprietorship. Right. And on paper, it looks very calculated. I, I guess it does, but it really wasn't. <laughs> it really wasn't. I didn't know how any of these things Which would makes work the out. story even more fascinating sure. because it really wasn't. Let's change. Okay. It was totally calculated. Right. <laughs> it's exactly the way everything's going according to plan. No, that's not true. <laughs> you know, I find, I find it interesting sometimes when you talk to people about what would you really love to do in life? And what would be the ideal job mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And you said something in, very interesting to me, which actually resonated with me find the thing that you love and do the second favorite thing that you love for exactly. a living that's a quote that that was a quote that i got from james Teitelbaum, and he said that once because he uh, about what he did professionally because he um well he's teaching and but his favorite stuff is still tiki and yeah, music yeah. on the side and things but uh, yeah, he said that, and then I totally did not take that advice. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I learned something from that because you and I had a conversation once, and maybe a year or two ago, where you said, "If you take something you love and do that for a living, you take that thing that you are so passionate about and you turn it into work." You do. It sometimes it is interesting, though. I mean, when you're a sole owner and you're doing what you love, and the time goes by, you know, it's not like. It's not like when you have a job and you're clock watching, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. when's five coming? I can't yeah. believe all... That, that all evaporates. And that feels good because there's a sense that I love what and I'm And I doing. get that because that's how yeah. it is with the podcast for me, right? Yeah. I, I'm not really watching the clock. And I'm not on a schedule to where 
The flexibility is great for me because if I need to take care of something during the day, I can always just make up the hours in the evening. Sure, know? sure. Yeah. It's it's you know, but it does you know. There's you love it, but when it's when tiki is is your passion, but it's also a commercial endeavor. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of challenges. Of course, there's t- difficulties with you know. There can be guest problems. There can be uh, employee problems. There can be all kinds of problems with permitting city agencies whatever it is it's you know there's a, it adds a, a tremendous level of headaches and a lot of stress for sure i mean it's very long hours it's sort of limitless i told you once i think it's the um as i said like you know so where'd you work well you worked at this office great i said you know at, at two in the morning did you did you think about the office you worked in did you did, no. you, did you give it a second thought after you left no imagine never stopping to stop thinking yeah, because yeah. every day i think is somebody breaking in at yeah, four in the yeah. morning you wake up and you just think and because sometimes that's triggered by the fact that sometimes at 4 a.m you get that call from this alarm company yeah and you have to say do you think a door blew open in the breeze a little bit that wasn't latched correctly or do you think someone's in there am i going to take a chance on sending sfpd into the space right now while i'm you know 45 minutes away it I think you would find the same thing if you ask virtually any small business owner in any category. It's uh, there's a lot of anxiety about your stuff, yeah, and there's a lot of anxiety about you know things happening to your things, especially when you open a tiki bar and you fill it with so much art, and then some of the art gets yanked off the gets walls. Yanked off. I remember yeah. when that happened. That <laughs> yeah, that was pretty true. ballsy. It was very ballsy, and um, and you had you a know, camera on that, right? Or that yeah, was the no, one corner the one that didn't, corner have, didn't have yeah, a camera. That, on that's it. what the the so, issue was, yeah, yeah. But you know, it was nice enough of uh, Base Macuna to make me a replacement one, and it was um, also uh, entertaining to try to bring the War Club as a carry uh, <laughs> on the way home because they're like, "What's that?" I said, "It's art," and they said, "That looks like a weapon." No, 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 sir, sir, sir. No, this is, this is art. You're going to need to check that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you have a product, service, or event that you'd like to bring attention to, we can help. Imagine hearing your ad in this spot, just like you're hearing this one right now. Sponsor an episode and get the exposure you deserve. For more information, go to DesertOasisRoom.com and click on Services. This episode is sponsored by the Tiki Bar T-Shirt Club, where their monthly T-shirt designs pay tribute to a Polynesian bar or restaurant from days long past. Each design is available for a limited time and will never be produced again. For the collectors out there, be sure to check out their subscription program, where they offer a discounted 3, 6, or 12-month plan, or you can always buy shirts one at a time. For more information and to check out this month's shirt, visit TikiBarTshirtClub.com. Now, as a small business owner, mm-hmm. and especially one of what we like right this whole tiki thing tell me what your uh, the things that you did not expect the things that you just didn't see that you're blindsided with as a small business owner and tell me the the happy accidents Mm, that's good questions um what didn't I expect? Well, you know, in some ways, I'm not sure I expected it to resonate as well as it does with people who aren't into it. I think there's a sense that a lot of guests come in who, I mean, obviously, we're not, if we were solely dependent on, on, on Tiki Files, it would be much tougher business to operate. Of course, lots of people come in who just have a generalized interest in an in artistic crafted space or a great cocktail or 
any number of reasons. So I, I've been comfort. I get comforted. That's not the right word. I've just been. I've been. I've been really happy to see that. I've been really happy to see that a lot of people from all walks of life really find the space engaging mm-hmm. and really love it. And they may not understand what any of it means or they don't really get what this art is about or they don't really get what even the space or as we try to talk about tiki history in san francisco in particular but they recognize they recognize the patina of of the authenticity of the materials you know if that that makes sense people can even if they don't get it they they can tell the difference between a plastic party supply mask yeah yeah and something that was really lovingly handcrafted so everything is real tactile tangible right. a lot of our pieces come from lost bars old down the beachcomber trader vicks pieces trader dicks skipper kent's we have a lot of these old pieces of decor and you can look at them and you can even if they don't make any sense to you you can appreciate that they're real right and i think that means a lot there's something that you said to me also again in the past that kind of really resonated with me as you said you know sometimes People don't know tiki, yeah, but they know cheap. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, regrettably, that's just the reality of executing the reality of executing a great tiki bar and a place that really celebrates the whole aesthetic, the art, the music, the design, and everything else, as we always try to do. Is that you know, sadly, it just isn't an inexpensive proposition. It's time-consuming mm-hmm. and costly to build an elaborate space that does involve all these great materials, all this great artwork. It's just the reality of it. And when you open a place where you kind of just slapdash something on, you know, and you, you bought a Party City mask and hung it up and said, we're a tiki bar. I'm like, nah, you know what? I, I, you know, I was like, I'm sorry. It is expensive. It is time-consuming. And it is, it's not... You, you can't, you just can't shortchange it and yeah, hope that yeah. a guest of any level, because yeah, will appreciate the cheapness. It's a, I mean, they'll it's, notice the cheapness. Yeah, they'll notice the cheapness. And, you know, like what it just comes down to is you're not fooling anybody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, someone's going to come in and they're going to say, oh, you know, this looks like uh, you, know, you decorated for a birthday party. Yeah, know? absolutely. You know, Trader Vic's went through a little bit of a journey on that, you know, from a, a corporate standpoint where, so my Trader Vic's Golden Gate one, you know, they were trying to keep it a little more modern. They were trying right. to keep it a little more light. And so fewer fewer artifacts and things like that. And that, you know, that, that continued for several other products, the Bellevue, the the Las Vegas debacle. And the the and the problem was is I said, Well, this isn't really who this isn't this is disappointing the the, the tiki enthusiast mm-hmm. and it isn't artistic enough to satisfy the it isn't artistic enough to just sort of satisfy you know the non-tiki enthusiast doesn't really mm-hmm. it just doesn't mean anything and it's too light to be something so it just kind of didn't make anybody happy and so you saw how Vix totally flipped the script and came back hard I think you know with the Los Angeles location where they put a lot of art in it mm-hmm. they really saturated the space they made a really beautiful room so that was great I think they so they realized they're like no this is our legacy this is what we do yeah, and we do yeah. it well and they you know and and they really did a great job in that room. Yeah, yeah. What are your thoughts about the current movement? Or we, everybody's been saying there's been a, uh, there's a resurgence. They've been saying that for the past decade or more, right? Yeah, yeah. It's been it was it was it was kind of a slow build for a couple of years, but now it's getting pretty fast. There's a yeah. lot of new openings on deck, and for me, 
You know, the, the message we try to convey at all of my spaces is that we try to get across the concept that Tiki is a, is a multi, multidisciplinary experience. And mm-hmm. it, it has, it draws in, it's about the music, it's about the carvings, it's about the craftsmanship, the materials, it's about, it's about the cocktails, of course. It's about all of it working together. It's the only sort of... It's the sum of all parts. It's the sum of all parts. And yeah. so the best places that are opening are the places, to me, that are respecting that. Yeah. And they can move it forward in different directions and things like that. But they're still about creating, celebrating art and making it experiential. And yeah. making yeah. it transportive. I mean, you know, and everybody does things in different ways here and there. But, you know, when I walk through the mirror door at Clifton's, I go, got it. You yeah. Transportive. Great space, lots of art, lots of character. Experiential is a key word because I've always said to people that the toughest thing about any, well, I should take this back. I've always said to people that the toughest genre to penetrate successfully is tiki because you're going to get criticized on everything yeah. from the music to the decor to the service to the cocktails to uh, the ephemera. Yeah. I mean, you're going to get criticized by everything. If, if you want to just have an easy business, open a Thai restaurant. No one's going to say, you know, <laughs> oh, they were playing the wrong music or they, you know. Right, right, right. I mean, if you, I mean, whatever, I mean, in, in any kind of restaurant experience, it's always nice when the operators have a, a full vision, whether or not it's a themed experience or not, but that they thought, yeah, this is the, we thought about this music or we thought about the art on the walls or we thought about the kind of flatware we chose and the plates we chose. Anytime where I sense that there is a, a thoughtful application, whatever the theme is, um, you know, and that's why the uh, Consortium Holdings Group down here in San Diego that I'm partnered with on False Idol, I think their venues execute on a great level because they really love design. They right, love right. design. Everything is custom made, fabricated. There's uh, Every space gets more and more elaborate as they, as they generate them. And uh, they care about a guest experience. So having said all that, I'm sure you've had some snafus, mm-hmm. learning experiences. If you had to start all over again, would you do anything differently? A lot of the stuff I've, I've you know, that I've regretted not doing right is, is, you know, mostly draws from inexperience as an operator. There's a lot of just sort of... Uh, operational things that I'd wish I'd done better, you know, in terms of setting really clear staff uh, roles aside and things like that. A lot of it really is sort of sort of inside baseball, back of the house stuff that I wish I'd done more. And there's things where you you um, you know you 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 uh, you can. That's where I'm like, you're not gonna let me play with that anymore. Oh. <laughs> I've been fidgeting with the bottle cap. Um. <laughs> um uh, I'm rambling a little bit, but yeah, but it's a little bit inside baseball and it's a little bit esoteric, but there's a lot of stuff that as a really experienced operators would know how to do that I had to kind of learn on the fly Yeah, that I was, you know, it came in and, and didn't because you didn't ever. come in, come from hospitality. I didn't. And so it was, I, I mean, I came, I came from a totally different world. Yeah. And so that was a, uh, and so a lot of the, the mechanics, the hidden mechanics of hospitality is actually something I was talking about with two of my managers yesterday. And, and I, it's something we always learn and we study from. And, you know, 
what, how should we, how many hosts should we have on and where should they be stationed and what place, you know, uh, how is, you know, how do you kind of arrange the seating? Hale Pele in Portland is a great example because it's like an elaborate, you know, it's kind of like a playing Tetris in there because you all these parties coming in and flexible table right, sizes right, and you're like, right. how do I fit everybody in? To make everybody comfortable, but also make sure we're filling tables correctly. So it's really, you have to sort of, you have to hands-on manage it. You can't just say, yeah, yeah, sit down, you know. And then two people sit in an eight-person table, you know, all that kind of stuff. You really need to think about how everything, how all the pieces fit for for functionality in the back end and for quality of guest experience at the same time. This episode is brought to you in part by Steadfast Pomade. Steadfast Pomade is a strong-holding, medium-bodied, water-based styling product for men and women, which leaves your hair looking slick, neat, and shiny with a clean, fresh scent. Its unique formula allows you to easily restyle your hair throughout the day and washes out with ease. Steadfast Pomade is American-made and veteran-owned, available in original and anchor hold. Get yours today at steadfastpomade.com. Tame the waves and keep it steadfast. This episode is sponsored by the Tiki Tea. Founded in 1961, the Tiki Tea is a family-owned and operated tropical drink bar practicing the lost art of exotic cocktail mixing. Come try their house specialty, the Ray's Mistake, a delicious concoction of botanic liqueurs, passion fruit, gin, and rum for only $6 on Wednesdays until 9 p.m. The Tiki Tea is located at 4427 Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood, California. For more information, check out their website, tiki-ti.com. The Tiki Tea, ground zero for tropical drinks. Now, I, I know you guys have a book signing that you got to start preparing for, so I'm trying to be respectful of your That's time. That's fine. So, That's fine. But what I want to do before we wrap, I have two more questions. Okay. And we're just going to switch gears with okay. what we're talking about. So are you ready for this? I'm do- throw me a curve. If you could have any superpower, what would it be and Why? Hmm, that is a good one. <laughs> you know what I, I think about a lot of times is I think I wish I could I wish I could with the power of my mind widen freeways, <laughs> <laughs> create uh, tunnels underneath <laughs> congested areas, <laughs> like I guess like Musk is doing, but um, and just. And and sort of is this, I like I, I like fantasize about like being Mister Infrastructure Repair Guy or something yeah. like God I wish I could fix the paving on this road yeah. those sidewalks are crumbling and I would you know my hands would fly out and and then sidewalks <laughs> would be repaired so this is actually <laughs> a very <laughs> noble <laughs> yeah. this is not a selfish no I know in a dream in a dream world I would have a I would have a, a fleet of, of because my self, my superpower is selfish my, the yeah. superpower I want to have is to be able to eat whatever I want without getting fat. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> right? That is a good one. <laughs> but then there's also the stuff of like, uh, and I've said this before that I wish I had x-ray vision, but only to the people that I find attractive. And <laughs> like, I don't want to see Boris Hamilton naked, right? <laughs> I mean, Bo- sure, we love Boris. But I'm sure somebody does somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, Boris, somebody loves you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my second my second question, but this is my second curveball. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if it's a curveball, but just to get to know you better, what's on your bucket list? Bucket list? So sort of travel or um, 
That's a great question. Let's see. The current bucket list includes, like, my, I guess you could say my number one bucket list is time. Okay. <laughs> it's just time. <laughs> um, I, I, That's a great answer because yeah. when you think of a bucket list, right, if you were going to pass in, say, 30 days and say, okay, what's on that list that you would want to do within 30 days if right. you're going away and you're like, time. You're saying, time. I no, I, time. I, I would love to. I don't just, want 30 days. I want more time. Yeah, no, I would, uh, that too. That too. But yes, time to uh, time to everything. You know, um, um, I just read a there's a, a Japanese word, and I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. I just read about it, but it's the sense of, of it relates to uh, buying more books than you have time for reading. So having a house full of books, like I'm going to get to those. So a lot of that, I'd like to get to those books, that kind of stuff. Yeah, is, you know, yeah. that, that would be, uh, the, that would be a, a lovely time. But just more time, always more time um, spent with my better half, Rebecca. It's, always, it's true. It's true. Oh man! It's not make, just because she's sitting nearby. Now you make me want to go home and make love to my wife. <laughs> All right. Heads up, Steph. <laughs> I think I left him speechless with that one. <laughs> Look out! He's coming back, Randy. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for taking the time to sit down with the podcast and be our one hundredth guest. That yeah, was a treat. It's such an honor for me. I want to promote your businesses, so let's let's tell everybody where they can find the best cocktails in California. Well, well, and, <laughs> well, and I'm talking about your businesses specifically, yes, okay, right? Well, and if there's anything on those menus that you think people should go try, well, of course, um, the uh, Smuggler's Cove, the Mothership in San Francisco, um, and uh, we love the last two. I mean, we offer. Over you know, hundred drinks from the history of rum, but I love a lot of our originals and a lot of our big tiki classics from curated from all over the place are fun. Um, so I recommend that highly. Uh, there's of course nearby, only five blocks away, is my uh, is my uh, my uh, affair with gin at Whitechapel, which is a beautiful space, and I, I love to have people in there because we have a, a really outstanding chef and mixology team working there and it's in a fabulous space also designed by notch and like smuggler's cove was uh, and then up in beautiful portland oregon Halle pele is a really wonderful uh intimate bar with a terrific team really friendly love our food up there too it's a cozy little spot um and then lost lake out in chicago out in the great fabulous logan square area the, where the the rum and cocktail expertise is off the charts. The drinks are fantastic. And uh, they, I'm happy to say, I just took home the Spirited Award for the best cocktail bar in America uh, at uh, Tales of the Cocktail last month. So that was outstanding and very wonderful news. And did I mention all five or I'm in trouble? Uh-oh. Oh, I'm false idol right here in San Diego. <laughs> Where I've just spent the last three days nonstop having some terrific events. And uh, false, same thing. And another place where we love to um, celebrate not just there's fantastic mixology, outstanding rum list, but some a really wonderful artistic experience as well. Um, so... Gosh, you're making me brag about my bars. I don't like doing that. But, but, Dude, but, you, you've but, earned the right. Well, I'll tell you, my teams in all of these locations do really outstanding Well, let's shout work. them out. Let's, let's shout out your teams. And, you know, do you oh, that's, that's, a, lot, that's, that's, a, that's okay. a lot of names. So, okay, so we're, we're just, we, we want to shout out everybody that helps you uh, oh, yeah, with your business absolutely. and, and, and it's, keeps it successful. It keeps them going, absolutely. That's the only, uh, outstanding team is the only way to operate in, in, in four cities. So it's uh, it's uh, it's just 
great people all the way around the board who really, really care about the guest experience and have all sort of fallen, even if they weren't tiki people, they've sort of fallen in love. Yeah. You know, they've yeah. come in and said, you know, this is great. This yeah. is, you know, we love, we love these clothes. We love the music. We love the drinks. It's just, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much again. I appreciate My it. My pleasure. It's good to finally appreciate do this. This is yeah. great. Yes. Yeah, appreciate sweet. it so much. And for all you guys out there, if you have any questions, comments, or just want to leave a shout out, go to our group page inside the Desert Oasis Room on Facebook. You can follow us at Polynesian Pop on Instagram. And if you guys want to check out any of these bars on social media, I'm going to put all the links below. So check out the comments. Uh, I think we have at, at I don't even know them at Smugglers Cove SF is at Smugglers right? Cove SF at Whitechapel SF at False Idol Tiki at um, uh oh I can't remember Holly Bellies it'll come to me at we'll Holly put up we'll put all the yeah. links we'll put all the links down below uh, and if um, if you ever find yourself close to any of these bars go in and have a cocktail I guarantee you will enjoy what you have ah uh, thank you sir much appreciated thank you Martin <laughs> and thank you Rebecca hi love you guys. <laughs> Cheers and aloha, everybody. Cheers. This episode was brought to you in part by Tiki Island Expo. Happening Saturday, September 8th at Original Mics in Santa Ana, California. The Tiki Island Expo combines live music on two stages with 80 lifestyle vendors, three bars, a full restaurant, and plenty of free parking. Purchase advance tickets for only $5 entry. For more information, search Tiki Island Expo on Facebook.